Hello and thank you for listening to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theatre Company podcast. Jerome Davis, I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theatre Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theatre Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Our guest today is Laurel Ullman, uh, an actress uh, in the Triangle who has worked with Burning Coal on a number of occasions, uh, most recently, I believe, in Silent Sky um, by Lauren Gunderson uh, last December. Uh, and but is well known uh, as a, a regular uh, contributor to the arts community in uh, Durham, uh, Chapel Hill, uh, Raleigh, and perhaps further afield than that. Laurel, uh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining Into the Fire today. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to start off by finding a little bit, uh, finding out a little bit about you. You 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 have an air of mystery about you that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't uh, know a whole lot about you. Um, I'd love to know where you're from originally and um, and how you wandered into the the field of uh, theater. Sure. Um, well, I'm I'm from the Midwest. I was born in Iowa, uh, spent um, a lot of my childhood there. Family did a brief stint in Wisconsin and then landed in northern Indiana. And I was there through... Um, freshman year of college before moving and transferring to UNC Greensboro. Um, I, I actually took um, a drama class in theater because I needed to pick an elective and my friends told me it was easy and there was no homework. Um, so, And was, was that true? Um, I mean, you know, we had to memorize some lines and work on scenes and things like that. But um, I just, you know, fell in love with it immediately uh, and just jumped right on board doing as many shows as I possibly could. Um, and what, even... What had, what had you been there for uh, prior to that? Uh, well, this was high school. This was high school. Oh, high school. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, that was an elective in high school. Um, yeah, just loved it to the point where I, I had been in marching band and I realized they conflicted. So I dropped out of marching band and I wanted to keep that some kind of connection to music. So I joined choir cause I was able to do both of those at the same time. Um, and yeah, just from then on, I was like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> what was the, what was the first play that you performed in? Uh, our beginning theater class uh, did um, arsenic and old lace as a class project mm -hmm. and I got to play the insurance adjuster who comes in at the very end and has about two lines. It was great. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I had done a handful of school related, you know, little things that everybody participate participates in in elementary and, and high school. Sure. Um, and I remember thinking they were fun, but they didn't lead to, you know, uh, much further. So that was really the point where I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is awesome. I'm curious to know, um, was there something about the experience? It, it, it sounds like it immediately grabbed you. Um, do, do you know why? Was was it about, was it a personality? Was it the environment? Was it the camaraderie of the, the fellow actors? What what was it about the experience that, that yeah. hit you so hard? I, I think it was all of those things. I think I... Um had always loved to read and had a good understanding of uh, stories and plots and 
imagining putting using my imagination and putting myself into those situations um and you know according to my parents had always acted out little things and done little accents and told jokes and um and so then when i got the opportunity to really put that into practice it it seems to come really naturally um and it just it 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 was just so much fun um and then yeah definitely the com- camaraderie um i mean even now to this day uh theater is the main way that I've found and maintained friendships throughout my life. It's so difficult to meet people as you get older. Um, but the folks that I have met through plays have been the most um, enduring and sort of steadfast and fun um, friendships. The people that I know that I can really uh, count on have come from theater. So it's just a wonderful sense of community and collaboration we build little little families uh, each time we do a show, don't we? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then we have to give them up. <laughs> At least for <laughs> a while. Some of them stick. Yeah. yeah. Some of them then stick. they come back together in a different shape. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, uh, so, so North Carolina was uh, because of UNC Greensboro. That's what brought you to North Carolina. Well, not well. So not quite. I. Um, Back in the days of uh, when online dating was uh, dangerous and mysterious, <laughs> now it's just that's what everybody does. But at the time, I had uh, had met a former partner online in like a chat room or something, and that developed into a long term relationship. And so I moved here to be with them. Um, so I had to also move my college education. So got here, took a year off to establish residency so I could get that in-state tuition and then picked up at UNCG. Most of my credits transferred. So it was fairly smooth. Yeah. And, uh, you were there for acting, I presume. Uh- yeah, I didn't try to do BFA because my credits, the, the credit thing was weird. Like they to go into the BA, they accepted all but like one of my credits. And then BFA, I would have basically been starting from scratch. And I was like, nah, I, you know, I, I want to get, get done with college. I'm a, I'm a grown up now. I was married very young um, and didn't ever live on campus or anything. And um, it's like, no, I just, I just want to get done with this college thing. So. (laughs) Same here. My Mm. my university had, um, speech and theater were lumped together for mm. some reason. And so I ended up with a bachelor of science degree. Mm. Uh, yeah. Which is a little odd, but um, <laughs> there, there it is. Um, yeah. So, um, so, uh, but you uh, had the good experiences at UNCG. You, you had uh, good roles and good um, role models. Um. It was it was a mixed bag. I'll be honest. Um, I loved all my professors. Um, I loved a lot of the the students. Um, th- there was um, you know a pretty big divide between masters, BFA, BA, um, and you know I'm not saying there shouldn't have been differences, but it 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 felt a little. It, it didn't always feel wonderful to be the one who, you know, had the non-speaking role and didn't really have access to more opportunities. And the one who's staying up till 3 a.m. doing the laundry for 
the people who have speaking roles because you're just a VA. There was a little bit of a tension between those. The grad students were uniformly wonderful, um, but it's just the structure. That's how the structure was, is that uh, the, the BAs didn't get a ton of performance time because they were considered to be generalists, even if we didn't consider ourselves to be generalists. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, on the, on the flip side, I uh, looked outside college to, you know, get roles and, um, actually, before in that gap year between college, had already picked up my first professional contract just on my own. Um, so I just just learned to go out there and just get things for myself. Um, so the most uh, the most important muscle uh, <clears throat> one can develop uh, as an artist, and it's almost never a part of um, uh, our education somehow. Mm-hmm which I find really interesting. I I worked very briefly with some people who were at Columbia University when I was living in New York City, um, and they had a new uh, MFA in directing that they were launching. And one of the um, stipulations is that they couldn't use the actors at Columbia. They had to go into the community in New York City, which, of course, is uh, rife with with actors, you know, and so they had to go out into that community. And uh, and and find their own, and I thought that's the smartest thing I think I've ever heard. Um, yeah. you know, in the theater world, yeah, because it's training them to do what five minutes after they graduate they'll have to start doing. So, so that's yeah, right. that, that sounds great. Um, now, um, I, I'm not breaking any news when I say that you're widely regarded as one of the best and most interesting actors in the triangle. Did you feel that uh, early on in your life or, or do, do you feel it now? I mean, I, I, maybe I should ask that, but, uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm from Iowa. So praise is yeah. like, Oh God, stop. But um, everything's very level uh, <laughs> you know, on a level plane, so to speak. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I have, people who think I'm great and people who don't want to give me the time of day too. So I, I think it's just, um, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear that. I, I've heard that, you know, um, I don't know. Like I, I think I, I think I have a natural instinct combined with some training and I have been lucky enough to, um, find a number of directors and companies that, uh, appreciate what I bring to the table and, um, I, one pattern that I frequently find myself in, um, is getting the hardest role in a show. Um, and so I think that's actually helped me a lot. Um, uh, there'll be a show that, you know, maybe it's all women and, uh, the director, you know, has a group of women. They're like, okay, how are we going to, uh, cast this? And, maybe I, I think, oh, it would be nice to play the vixen or the these sort of simpler characters, but then I end up getting given a complex one um, because of just who shows up. They know I can do it. And so then it's hard and I have to work through it and figure it out. And, and then at the end of that process, I'm a little bit better. And then the next show, they're like, well, she handled that. Let's give her another challenging one. <laughs> and so, um, it's it's great. It's great. I don't want to play boring roles. Um, right. Sometimes it'd be nice to just ride in and just do something silly and, and leave. But yeah. um, but ultimately, I think that 
that makes me better. And so I appreciate that. I don't know if that really answers your question, but. No, it does. <laughs> it, it really does. Uh, who, you know, who, who wants to play Romeo, if you can play a Mercutio, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, or Juliet, when you can play Lady M, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in the Scottish play. So, uh, so I think what you're describing is, is the, the soul of a, um, of a character actor. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of which, uh, you were performing next uh, here at Burning Coal as part of our <clears> second <throat> stage series, uh, which we do every summer. And this year it is a repertory season of three plays, each produced by a, a, a small or, or, or just starting out uh, producer or company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to go over the three, uh, if you'll bear with me just for a second, just for <laughs> Marketing purposes. Uh, Ruby uh, is a new play written and performed by a, a young woman who's just relocated to our area, Susan Gross. Um, and um, The Face of Emmett Till is uh, a, a play written in part by Emmett Till's mother uh, and is produced by um, the uh, Pure Life Theater. Um, uh, and then the one that you're involved with is a production by the Switchyard Theater Company, which is a relatively new company. I think that this is their second year. Um, and uh, the play is called Or. And uh, I'd love for the the title doesn't give much away um, <laughs> as opposed to Ruby, which is about Ruby or the face of Emmett Till. But uh, can you tell us just a little bit about uh um, uh, or um, tell us about that, and then I'd love to hear about the the particular character you're you're playing. Alpha Bane in the is that how you pronounce it? Alpha Af- Bane, Af- Afra Bane, yeah. Afra Bane, yeah, right. Who was the first pu- uh, published uh, play, a female playwright in England that we know of? Yeah, she was considered the first professional female playwright to, to someone the first female to make her living that way okay. in in England. Yeah. Um, came a little bit after Shakespeare, so. So what's uh, what's the play about? Is it just a, a recitation of the events of her life, or is there more to it than that? Um, well, it definitely has a, a lot of layers. It's um, so the the title. Um, I think there's a number of reasons for the title, but uh, the most immediate one that comes to mind is a lot of the plays that were written at that time uh, by Ben, by Shakespeare, by other contemporaries. Um, they, they weren't satisfied with one little title. Uh, they had to have... Um, Subtitle. Uh, yeah, oh, basically, yeah. They, they had to say uh, the new king or what you like. You know, they, they had to have this two-part two part title. And so there's yeah. some reference to that. So just the um, the question of choices like which direction do you go you could do this or you could do that um is part of it um duality i guess mm-hmm. um what what the playwright is going for there but um it's definitely not a biopic it's uh um there's sort of an introductory i don't think i'm giving anything away really but there's sort of a a beginning scene um and then we transition to a different scene and then the the play playing time is or the play is continuous until the end. Um, so it does not move around in time a lot. It's just that a lot happens in that brief, basically over the course of one night um, in her life as she's 
um, revving up to become a playwright and having different um, romantic and uh, spy-related adventures. So He was a spy as well. Yeah. So one thing that's very interesting about, about her is that she, historians are kind of befuddled by her. Like they, they believe that she possibly intentionally obscured a lot of the facts about herself. Mm. Um, It's kind of unclear exactly who her family was. Um, She was probably married, but, but that could have been fabricated. She was, um, she was a spy, but the exact details of that are, are not 100% known. Um, she may have gone to debtor's prison, but that might just be, uh, again, another story that maybe even she made up. Uh, so she, she wanted to create these stories and she wanted uh, fame um, for her work, but she didn't want a lot of personal attention and she perhaps intentionally tried to hide or blur her personal life. It's an interesting uh, dichotomy. Uh, <laughs> the artist who uh, wants to express themselves, but, but doesn't want to, to be in the public eye, uh, mm-hmm. which is an, a neat trick if you can pull it off. Uh, so is it, is it the kind of play where it's important to know about her? Have you been researching her a lot? Uh, or is it, uh, is her life uh, metaphorical more, I guess? Um, I don't think it's super important to, you know, read any, read very much about her. I mean, um, um, if folks are interested, you know, there's plenty out there, um, books, Wikipedia, you can find things about her. Um, there's been a number of plays written about her actually. Um, but you know, she was, a a a playwright who, um, in the later half of the 17th century, who's been compared to Shakespeare. Um, uh, she wrote, um, a, a number of, she sort of was ignored for a long time after she died and then sort of rediscovered by some feminist critics and, and, uh, playwrights. Um, I remember, uh, the Rover, her play, the Rover was in my, um, big brown book of classics that we had to read in theater history. Um, and actually during the the height of the pandemic, um, I was working with Noel Azarela's company, Brave New Classics. We did a whole virtual production of the Rover. So that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So she, she would have uh, been uh, after uh, Shakespeare um, and uh, she would have been uh, working in some of the same venues uh, as him um, or, um, or do you know anything about that, about where her plays? I'm not a hundred percent sure about venues, but I do know that she um, sort of uh, was spent a lot of her time during the interregnum um, outside of England spying for the exiled royalty and then um, came back um, after restoration, um, after King Charles II was back in place. Um, and she was a royalist. She, um, was very much on that side. Um, and, and, you know, enjoyed sponsorship by mm-hmm. the king, uh, to get her works out there. 
So my understanding, yeah, I think she would have been in the big fancy <laughs> theaters. Um, I believe she's interred at Westminster Abbey, which means she was in good stead with somebody uh, mm-hmm. uh, high up during her time. Uh, yeah. And the process of um, of taking on a role like that, um, do you, Laurel, do you do you find that um, this is an intuitive process for you, or mm-hmm. how do you how do you approach playing a, a, any character? I guess I, you know I'd love to hear what your process is, or if you have a a process that you can articulate. Hmm. Um. I'm a big fan of just, I just like to read the play over and over and over again. Uh, I attempt to read it first as just like a casual reader or an audience member. And then um, I, you know, not, not that you always get to pick your character, but usually you'll feel drawn to one or the other and, and just I'll sort of intuitively feel like I understand them the most. I understand where they're coming from and just sort of, um, the classics of scene analysis, uh, just asking different, different categories. Like, what, what do I say about myself? What do other people say about me? Mm-hmm. Um, where are my loyalties? What, what status am I relative to other people? What do I want in the scene? Um, you know, sometimes the playwright gives you a lot, um, to work with, um, like you might have OG, Eugene O'Neill telling you the shape of your eyebrows. Um, right, you right. Know? Or you might, have, yeah. you might have Sarah Rule giving you absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> so, or Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah, so that can be fun. That can be fun, too. Um, I feel like with sort of, um, uh, at which I don't a lot of times get the chance to play, a, a romantic lead with a lot of stage time, you have a little bit more latitude to put more of yourself I- into it because perhaps you have a more fully fleshed out emotional journey that you're making. Um, and there's more room for, for you in that. And it'll be more real if you allow yourself into it. Um, not that you don't do that with character work, but um, there's more of a need to um differentiate yourself especially if you're if you might be playing multiple characters mm. uh, different physicalities different voices um which is usually what i do typically with a play like this i i'd be the one with the wigs and the hats and uh-huh. you yeah. know i'm very running to... running around the, from one exit to the next yeah yes that's that's more standard for me so yeah yeah <laughs> I, was, I was in the same boat i I did a production of A Christmas Carol once where mm-hmm. I uh, lost five pounds during the run of the show because <laughs> I was literally racing. I would run to one entrance and there would be somebody standing there with a coat and a hat. And I'd, mm-hmm. I'd walk on and say, good morning, Mr. Scrooge. And then yeah. take the hat off and run <laughs> off and run around to another. And then um, it was uh, fulfilling in, in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the play is uh, is about a pioneer, um, a, a woman uh, writer and a pioneer in, in that regard. Um, I think I know you well enough to know that that's an, an important idea 
Um, do you select uh, roles and plays uh, based upon the you know what the play is working to communicate, or um, how do you approach uh, which roles you select? Um. Well, to the extent that, you know, <laughs> you might have a choice, like, you you know, I, I wish I could look at the entire season for the entire triangle and be like, I want that one. And that's just how it how it w- would work. But um, as far as, you know, things I might choose to audition for, things I'm reached out to about, um, I, I don't know how to give 50%. I, that would, I wouldn't know how to do that. So if I say yes to something, it's because... Um, I have at least a certain level of confidence in the director, the company, uh, their good intentions, their resources, their creativity. Um, the, the script um, has got to be great. The role's got to be worth my time. Um, and really, I, I love all kinds of plays and all, all kinds of um modes of playwriting i guess um um i love light fluffy things i love super dark things um i don't mind if the bad guy wins if the if the story is super clever and interesting so you Um, will do (laughs) shaw oh yeah sure we were up in uh, uh, Toronto a couple of weeks ago, and we uh, we had, took a group of people up there to see plays. And there was, you know, it started with King Lear, and it had a bunch of um, really uh, interesting new plays, all with kind of political uh, subcurrents in them. And but we ended with a, a farce uh, that Tom Stoppard had uh, adapted um, from a, I think it was maybe an Austrian playwright from the eighteen mm-hmm. hundreds, maybe. Um, um, called on the razzle uh, and it hmm. had no uh no you know value whatsoever except it was just <laughs> so well done it was just it was just it, we left ebullient uh, you know we just floated hmm. out of the building everybody because mm-hmm. it was so well done and so funny and um i remember thinking um you know and i've had this thought before um uh, there's something else um uh, about theater something other than the the subject matter you know that that uh, is communicated um in a play um and i wonder if it isn't um sort of just the life force you know if if the actors are working at that level and if the playwright was working at that level um and and if all of their work is working together you know mm-hmm. if there's something communicated to us that's you know that's worth a lot um mm-hmm. yeah, yeah ab- absolutely um i mean i've definitely been surprised many times maybe going to a show because i know someone and i was like oh, i'm not a big fan of the scripts oh i'll go support them it's fine and then i go and it's like wow they really transcended that material they made it interesting um and then uh, just going back to your original question, the, the other thing I guess I sort of look for is um, just wanting a, a variety, not wanting to do the same thing over and over again. I, um, I, I tend to get a whole lot uh, of 
strong, brusque, scary women, which is great. <laughs> and there's variety within that, that character. No. But I also, you know, want to be vulnerable or nervous or not brave or uh, make the wrong choice, be in the wrong. Um, so that's fun too. Um, and so this, this character has been, been fun to play because um, she's just softer, uh, more, more vulnerable, more um, outwardly expressive of love and affection and things like that, that I've gotten to play recently. So. Well, that uh, seems like a good place to, to end our discussion today. Um Laurel Ullman, thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, the play is Or, comma, uh, by Liz Duffy Adams. Uh, it is performed by the Switchyard uh, Theatre Company here at Burning Coal as part of our second stage series. Uh, the series opens uh, tomorrow on June 7th and runs through the 25th. Uh, Or's performance dates are embedded within that range. So if you're interested in tickets for Or, um, or for Ruby uh, or the uh, the face of Emmett Till, you can find information on our website at burningcold.org or just give us a ring at 919-834-4001. And Laurel Ullman, I appreciate uh, you joining us today and I look forward to, to seeing you as Afra Bain <laughs> and, uh, and many, uh, many more uh, performances in the future, knock on wood. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Fuel the Fire. We would like to give thanks to our sponsor, The Classical Station. Listen at 89.7 FM or online at theclassicalstation.org. Org will run from June 10th to June 25th. For tickets, go online to burningcoal.org or call us at 919-834-4001.